So we have been talking about what matters uh, more. And uh, I've been using a book called Love Matters More by Jared Bias. And I've kind of uh, picked and chose uh, different selections out of the chapters uh, from this book. And I've amplified some of them. I've uh, used some illustrations uh, that I thought were pertinent um, to the topic. And tonight we're going to uh, come to a conclusion on this uh, study uh, with a title, Speaking the Truth in Love. And what we're going to do beginning next Wednesday night is, um, you know, when we have been in the book of Esther on uh, Sunday morning, um, we have looked at each chapter and have tried to take away some key thoughts out of each chapter. But there's a lot more to the book of Esther than uh, simply what we had time to cover on Sunday mornings. So for the next few weeks, which I don't know if it'll be a month or whether it'll be two months, I'm not quite sure right now, uh, we're going to do a little thing called Extra Esther. Extra Esther, <laughs> just some additional things that I think are there that would be interesting to uh, talk about. And so if you have time to look at the book of Esther again sometime over the next week or two, um, I'll be pulling out some things that uh, maybe you hadn't thought about in relationship to the book of Esther, as well as some additions to the book of Esther that are found in the apocryphal books um, in some Bibles uh, that have been translated into English. So uh, that's what we're going to do starting next Wednesday night. But for tonight, I have just a couple of uh, scripture passages we're going to turn to. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in the New Testament, in the book of Galatians, and the book of Ephesians. Both of these are written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, they are, um, as well, um, short, uh, little, um, precise books uh, pertaining to specific situations in the church in Galatia and the church in uh, Ephesus. So we'll come come to that in a moment. But before we get to that, I want to introduce this uh, by uh, the title of our uh, Bible study tonight, Speaking the Truth in Love. This is a phrase that seems to be thrown around quite a bit uh, within Christian circles. It's made its way kind of into the mainstream occasionally, and I'll reference that in a moment. Uh, but I'm not sure we really know what it means and I think it's critical to kind of understand that it's not uh, a phrase that gives us permission uh, to sock somebody between the eyes with what we think is the truth. And so uh, if you have your handout in front of you there, uh, two points uh, as we get started. Number one, love has a way of changing our minds about what is true. So um when we think a little bit about speaking the truth in love, um, we cannot separate it from what we have learned already uh, in our discussion. And that is we've been talking a little bit about uh, different types of truths, uh, facts, things that are uh, did, uh, deduced from logic or scientific discoveries, that type of thing. So uh, we just had, um, a landing on Mars. What will be interesting in the years to come is how is what we will discover there 
uh, change our understanding of the facts of both about that planet, about our solar system, that type of thing. Uh, and uh, what we think are facts uh, sometimes gets changed with new information. Now we talked a little bit about meaning truth, and that is um, we can talk factually about uh, a bunch of different things, but because it becomes personal uh, in various ways uh, as it relates to our own life. So we can talk theoretically about what drives unemployment, let's say, and uh, yet it is only factual uh, information until we get laid off, right? And all of a sudden the meaning truth to unemployment becomes personal. Then we talked a little bit about wisdom truth and that is taking facts taking meaning, and uh, how do we then uh, bring this to our life and use it in a constructive way uh, so we can make good choices. Uh, so, and, uh, so uh, folks, if you'll do me a favor, if you've got background noise, please mute yourself, okay? Thank you. So um, having said that, um, the, um, the the thing that we're doing here tonight is talking a little bit about how love can change our mind about what is true in the sense that all of a sudden, it's not just facts, it's not just information, it's something that pertains uh, to something that we love. And so, um, believe it or not, um, here in about a month, uh, it'll be five years since uh, I was uh, released from Erie Side Church. And uh, the whole discussion about um, the LGBT issue uh, was only theoretical to most of the individuals that were around the table. It wasn't to me, it was a meaning truth because I have a gay son. And so, um, and sometimes it comes out and well, you just need to speak the truth. Uh, in love, you need to speak the truth to someone who is in the wrong. Also, almost two years ago, uh, the Methodist Church had their um, convention, and um, one of the topics on the table was the inclusion of LGBTQ people in the church, allowing them leadership positions and so forth. And that uh, convention was kind of split right down the middle uh, between people that were accepting and affirming and those that held to the traditional plan and uh, wanted to, um, to condemn that lifestyle. I put quotes around those two things, the traditional plan and the lifestyle, because that's something that was used uh, to justify their position. So um, one of the things that we need to understand is speaking the truth in love is often a way of disarming other people who might be on the other side. Well, you just can't take it. You can't handle the truth. To, uh, to uh, go back to Jack Nicholson's phrase in the movie, you can't handle the truth. Um, the, the idea is here, um, when love begins to factor into the truth, whatever that is, uh, it might not change certain facts, but it changes what the facts mean to us individually, as well as what it means to live a, a life of wisdom. And, um, and it really does kind of change how we perceive the world as well. 
once love factors into a particular topic, we can no longer see things uh, only theoretically, only with hard data. Uh, we then begin to look at something uh, with an extra dimension to it. Second main point, then I'll see if you have some thoughts. It can be a good and beautiful thing to change our minds about what is true, considering how we experience the world through the lens of love. In other words, I've known people, and this is to take a different illustration, um, who are very opposed to the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. And um, why, you know, why does, uh, why do they need to demonstrate? Uh, why does Colin Kaepernick need to take a knee before uh, the game, this and that? And yeah, once you know some black friends and they share with your, you their experiences, you can begin to see the inequities that we can't see until we begin to enter into uh, a, a relationship of love with someone that can see it through a different perspective than what we can. Uh, on our website is um, one of those dialogue and desserts uh, that we had with Rayshon. Uh, this was months ago that talked about this topic. So if you're interested in uh, what he has to say about that, you can find that on the website and, um, and, and, and that'll fill that in. So those are two examples uh, that I, I'm giving as kind of a context of how when we factor love into truth, it begins to change some things. And a sub point here is truth is a tool that can do one of two things. It can either build up or it can tear down. And sometimes when people think that they have the truth, uh, they can uh, bring harm to another individual uh, rather than to bring healing uh, to a life situation. So if our idea of truth does not include the prioritizing of love, um, it is just about facts, um, then it is only true in a broad sense. It's not really connecting those three elements of facts, meaning, and wisdom together. And so um, that's the introduction to our thoughts tonight. Do you uh, have some comments, questions, uh, insights uh, that you want to bring forth? So First big point after this introduction is the misuse of, misuse of truth. Uh, when the phrase speaking the truth in love is used, rarely does the person hearing it uh, on the other end feel love. At least that has been my experience. Sometimes the idea, hey, I'm only speaking the truth in love to you. Um, and when in reality, there's not a love a lot of love involved in it. Most of the time the phrase is used to convince someone um, uh, that they are being loved, even if it doesn't feel that way. And so um, tonight, what I want you to do is go to Galatians chapter six, because this is one of those passages that is often used to kind of justify uh, this approach. Um, it is not often used of, uh, someone when they talk about speaking the truth of love that's co-laboring with us in the middle of our struggle a lot of times it's used as hey i'm just going to set you straight and i have biblical justification to do that 
So come to Galatians chapter six. I'm going to read the first seven verses, but you, uh, a lot of times what I have noticed within church work is verse one and verse seven are pulled out as a justification for uh, using truth as a way of uh, confronting someone rather than co-laboring with them through a particular struggle they might be having. But let's read what's in between as well. So verse one says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And remember we said the law of Christ is the law of love. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So here's these first seven verses. And what I've noticed over the years has been, okay, if someone, at least according to the opinion of the individual that's going to do the confrontation, is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Well, usually the gently is ignored. Uh, and usually what has happened is you should be spiritual like I'm spiritual, and I'm only doing this, here it is, here's the line, for your own good. I'm only doing this for your own good. Now, there is a certain truth to that. However, um, I want you to notice two things in this paragraph. Verse two says we need to carry each other's burdens and in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. And then in verse five, it says each one should carry his own load. Isn't that interesting? There's a contrast there. We should carry each other's burdens, but to a, a certain extent, each person carries their own burden. Well, think about this for a moment. I don't know if you've had anyone uh, that has harassed you uh, consistently about something, and it might be um, something that you're, whatever, not convinced that they're in the right, but nonetheless, they feel they have the justification to do it, and so they get on you about something, and at one time, uh, within the Christian circles, a lot of that had to do with um, a lot of things that did had nothing to do with character, it had things to do with the length of your hair, uh, in church world, if you showed up to uh, church uh, without a uh, shirt and tie on, um, you would get blasted for that. Hey, you got to bring your best to the Lord, that type of thing. And, and I, you know, uh, I, I know that there are certain people that would put pressure on other people. And then uh, out of the era of the 70s, um, I know a lot of churches didn't look down upon women who wore uh, pants. Um, they should wear a church, uh, 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 wear a dress to church, that type of thing. And a lot of times people would um, 
just kind of harass other people on stuff like that. And, um, and the things that they worried about were of no real character value at all. It, it was simply a matter of choice and so forth. And um, I, I know I could give examples uh, of different people that kind of caught the brunt of that, whether they always wore jeans to church or shorts to church or whatever it might be. And um, there would be always be the spiritual mentors a lot of times that would jump on those individuals. And um, I'm only speaking the truth in love, right? That kind of is the, the, the uh, motto there. Uh, and you'll notice I put in bold here, often the phrase speaking the truth in love reveals the assumption that God's word and my opinion are the same thing. <laughs> so a lot of times people do that. They have their own opinion on something and they will use this idea of speaking the truth in love, which we haven't gotten to the Ephesians passage. That's where Paul uses that phrase. But you'll notice here in this particular um, uh, paragraph, it, it's this idea of confrontation and it's this idea of, hey, God's not going to be mocked. Verse seven, he got, you know, what you reap is what you're going to sow. Yeah, what you sow, you're going to reap. I did said that backwards. So um, a man reaps what he sows. And so um, this idea here is people taking, taking the initiative to continually point that out. And um, quite frankly, sometimes it's none of somebody else's business, you know, um, but in all of this, what we find taking place is what I want to call a misuse of truth. And um, so you might have a, a variety of different illustrations here that could pertain to um, both helping someone carry their burden versus someone that carries their own burden. So let's take smoking as an example. So you might find there have been people in your family that smoked and then family members would constantly be on them oh, time and time again, you need to quit, you need to quit, you need to quit, da, 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 da. Um, and hey, it's one thing if you're saying, you know, I, I hope that if that's something that you want to do, you can and I'll, I'll be here to encourage you along the way. However, this verse five is, once you've told someone how you feel, your opinion, then they just have to carry their own burden. That is, you know, you, you're out of place then if you are constantly using your opinion to, um, to belabor the point and uh, confront uh, individuals on something. They know it. And if they want to make a change in a particular uh, situation, they will. So let's back off of this speaking the truth in love as, as a justification to simply harass other people uh, and that type of thing. So let me stop there and see if you have some, some thoughts there. I'm only telling you this because I love you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Any, anything that- Yeah, with my- I, I'm thinking about myself with my brother 
Um, I can't tell you how many times I said to him, you know, you need to be drinking water. And I keep saying, you know, so you don't get dehydrated again. Yeah. And I have to be careful of, you know, I keep saying, well, you know, I just don't want this to happen, you know, and I can see he's turning me out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, once you have said it, I think, and you, I keep saying, just take another sip, you know, take it. Yeah. And I can see he's getting irritated with me. So this is a good, good thing for me to back off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if you're saying, you know, I'm concerned about you and, and, uh, you know, uh, I want to make sure you're healthy and stuff like that. But it's another thing if every time he sees you, you know, <laughs> you, you're nagging or whatever. And, yeah. um, and you're right. I think, I think our children do that as well. They kind of tune us out if, if we are constantly harping on something constantly, constantly, constantly. And we think that we're doing the right thing. We're speaking the truth in love, but in reality, it doesn't feel like love, does it? Uh, and I think that's where we have to use wisdom. Do you see how all this is coming together? So let's take Monica's illustration here. Is it wise to drink water? Yes, that's a fact. Your body is better off drinking a lot of water. Uh, and there's meaning truth there uh, for Monica because she's concerned about the health of her brother. And it'd be wise if um, that, you know, that he would take her concern to heart. However, but it's also wise that if she continues to harass him, it, it's going to, he's going to just kind of tune it out. Well, then it's counterproductive at some point. So, mm -hmm. you know, that, so speaking the truth in love has kind of its limits. I don't know if I want to say it that way or not, but it, you know, you're sharing, you're expressing yourself, but at the same time, uh, that's an individual that has to take responsibility for themselves as well. And mm -hmm. they make their own choices. Thank you, Monica, for that illustration. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you heard what Esty said. She just. No. Yeah, she said that um, there's a point where it can cross the line where you're trying to control somebody uh, yeah. by, by using the facts that you have and, and then trying to speak that into somebody else's life. Yeah. Well, I think that's a struggle for all parents, especially because you want the best for your kids. And yet at the same time, there is a, a time when they have to make their own decisions and you, you have to let them. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, you know, right now, you know, a lot of young people are kind of disregarding that social distancing. It's just the way it is. And, um, you know, um, once we've told our kids, be careful, what more can we do about, about that? So I'm just speaking kind of out of the POSA household. <laughs> Some of those things that, you know, that are there and are, yeah, because, you know, we're speaking the truth in love, but speaking the truth in love can also be, become a form of control. I think that's uh, right on money there. So, anybody else? So let's try to redeem the phrase. Look at your 
uh, handout there. How can we redeem the phrase? To redeem the phrase, speaking the truth in love, is to recognize we could be wrong in our interpretation of something. So there is a space between I know and I don't know. And there's a lot of space in between. Um, and when we use the phrase, I'm speaking the truth in love, I'm assuming that what's my opinion is true. And that might not always be the case. I might think it's true, but it's not, uh, it might not necessarily be true. Uh, so there is a place of humility. Um, there's a place where the relationship is more important than my desire to control and so forth. So there's um, uh, the Jewish Talmud tells the story of two schools of thought uh, uh, in, in rabbis, the, uh, the Hillel school and the Shammai school. And uh, they, they talk about how, how each group felt they had the right interpretation. Uh, and they each assumed that their opinion on the law was the truth. Um, each assumed that the law kind of was aligned with their own views. And I think that is kind of a temptation that we all have. So in this story that is told by Jewish rabbis, finally God speaks up and um, he says, I side with Hillel. And, and the story of this divine voice that enters into this conversation says, the reason I side with Hillel is because they are humble in their teachings uh, and their, their own rulings, as well as the other school of thought as well. In other words, here's what I think. However, there's another way of looking at this. And so it, there's um, the idea of the difference between my opinion and the truth. And one of the things I have really tried hard to do over the years, um, you know, when I uh, taught and um, when I've preached is if there are differing views on a particular passage, I'll try to mention that in, in the midst of the teaching, just so that people know there's more than one way to look at this passage. And then a lot of times I'll say, but here's how kind of how I see it right now. That might change down the line because there's a space between what I know and what I don't know. And um, I might learn other things that might change my perspective. However, um, at this point, uh, and I think most of you who've been in Bible study with me now for a number of years will find that I'll say, hey, here's, here's how, what I think about this right now. However, there's other ways of looking at this topic. And I think that's a way of honoring uh, other people, honoring the fact that they look at the world through their own set of lenses. And, um, and so, you know, speaking the truth in love is sometimes the acknowledgement that truth is somewhere in the middle uh, between varying opinions. And so, uh, you'll see in the bold print there at the top of page two, speaking the truth in love is the acknowledgement that sometimes truth can be taken either way, and it is the humble that is nearer to the heart of God. So um, to go back to Micah um, uh, 6, 8, you know, he's shown you, O oh man, or O oh mortal one, what is good. What does the Lord require of you to do justice, 
to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So humility is, plays into this whole pursuit of truth. And I think it factors into how we speak the truth and love to other people too. We do so humbly saying, this is how I kind of see it. Let's talk about it. Um, how can we talk about this uh, further? Thoughts, comments there? So let's come to the flawed tactic. The flawed tactic. When we use the phrase speaking the truth in love because we believe that people change when we tell them they are sinning or they're making wrong choices, we have bought into a flawed tactic. And that what I mean by that is um, if we are interested in transforming someone else's life, it usually does not happen by sharing our unwanted or unwarranted opinion. Um, and usually there's something deeper that's going on. Um, many people will use the phrase speaking the truth in love as a way to kind of hide their own disgust or discomfort about a situation or maybe even anger about certain things. And so speaking the truth in love is their way of kind of fighting back a little bit. So uh, if you have time, you can look online. I just um, gave you the web address here. There's a neat web website that's called the Civil Conversations Project. And uh, this particular website talks about uh, various things that can be done in conversations to uh, enhance um, the conversation and so forth. So let me see if I have a couple of them here in my notes. Um, the, okay, the Civil Conversations Project. So um, rather than ignoring the hard subjects, you speak the truth, and most of that many times is our opinion, is grounded in these important virtues. Realize that words matter, the words we use shape how we understand ourselves, how we interpret the world and treat other people. Secondly, hospitality, uh, the creation of an inviting, trustworthy place. Thirdly, humility, the ability of encouraging others to be big rather than ourselves to be big. Patience, um, understanding that human transfer transformation takes time. Generous listening. Uh, wanting to understand uh, um, behind the words of other people. And then finally, adventurous civility. What are the uh, new possibilities for the future? So let me say uh, these uh, several things. These are six things. Let me say them again. Words matter, hospitality, humility, patience, generous listening, and adventurous civility are all things that help to enhance conversations. Uh, and if you have time, look, at, uh, look that website up and it'll give you more information about each one of those uh, virtues. So uh, any thoughts before we, the second passage, we're gonna go over to the book of Ephesians. Uh, is there any other thoughts or questions right now? Uh, right. So if you didn't hear that. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So if you couldn't hear SD uh, on the Zoom uh, platform there, um, she was saying you have to earn the right to uh, speak in into other people's lives. And, um, you know, that that is something that uh, takes time, doesn't it? And it takes trust as well that you are not doing this to set them up for um, being ashamed or embarrassed or whatever it might be. So. Okay, let's go over to Ephesians chapter four. So here's where we're going to run into the phrase speaking the truth in love. So the next main point is um, being more inclusive, not less inclusive. Speaking the truth in love wants to bring more voices to the table, not less. Now, that's what I have noticed a lot of times within Christian circles. When people use this phrase, speaking the truth in love, it's a means of shutting down uh, other people's opinions uh, rather than listening and opening up the table. So I want to read verses 1 through 6 and then verses 15 and 16. So this is the context of speaking the truth in love. Verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Sort of sounds like this civil conversations project that I just mentioned. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So unity is the goal. And then he says there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So in that first paragraph, um, Paul is really striving for unity, um, and he's talking about being patient and gentle and all that type of thing. So then there's this strange paragraph that follows uh, talking about how um, Christ descended to the place of the dead. And then it talks about how there's different gifts that are given, verse 11. Some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, so on and so forth, which is kind of interesting that uh, it's kind of a rabbit trail of that Paul goes down to get back to the main point. If you look at verse 12, all of these things are to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we have all reached unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and um, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So uh, he then comes back to the subject of unity. Now, here we go. Then he talks about how we need each other, how we need each other's input. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all these things grow up unto him. Okay, so unity is at the core here. And then different giftedness is part mentioned he comes back to that again after these two verses um but it is intended for growth and 
Um, so if you factor in all of these things, using this term, speaking the truth in love, seems to be a communal thing that is pursuing unity, not to find our opinion. Okay, so it's not about me, it's about us. And with that, then when it's time to give our opinion on something, we are to give our opinion in love. And that's the key motive that we should have is, um, is being honest about the fact that we're sharing our opinion uh, more than necessarily telling the truth. Because a lot of times things are just our opinion that we guise in with the veil of truth as a, uh, as a means of uh, power um, to get other people to be convinced that we are right. So notice a couple of sub points here. The mistake that most of us make is believing that we have to choose between telling the truth and keeping a friend. And I think, boy, oh boy, if there was ever an era where this is the truth, the last four years um, in the political realm has caused so much division that even if uh, good friends on different sides of the political aisle um, see things differently, they will not say, hey, that's my opinion. Rather, it's that's the truth or you know that type of thing. And how many friendships have been lost uh, through that whole thing rather than saying, hey, let's talk about this. So maybe a better way of this is I'm speaking the truth and you're an idiot, because that's kind of how it's taken a lot of times, um, is to say, this is how I see it. I don't see it kind of the same way you do, but I'm open to listen. Why do you see that differently than I do? I'm willing to, uh, to uh, listen, and hopefully they'll do the same, uh, reciprocate, um, that type of thing. So... Giving our opinions is not nearly as threatening as telling the truth that the other person has to agree with. In other words, we share out of love for each other the freedom to be able to express how we see something. And I don't see that a whole lot in the church. What I see happening a lot of times is people that have the bigger voices, whether it's because of position or a certain amount of knowledge that they carry, that type of thing, other people's opinions tend to get squashed down rather than allowing people to speak into that and being respectful as to you know, them having a different opinion and then saying, well, let's Let's try to get a mutual understanding. Why do you see it the way you do? And boy, if you can come at it, um, you are speaking the truth in love. And that is not truth in the, set of, in the sense of facts, but meaning truth. This is meaningful to me because this is how I look at this topic. This is how I look at uh, this set of subjects and so forth. And I guess the bottom line, as we kind of close off tonight, of this topic is we have to know our own heart. Um, we have to be self-aware. 
why are we so persistent in using speaking the truth in love as a weapon rather than as an invitation? So most people don't respond negatively to what we share, but to how we share it, right? So if I come across as an idiot uh, in the way I'm pursuing the truth, well, the other person shuts down. And what it does is it doesn't produce unity. It actually enhances disunity. So you have some thoughts there? Any? Um, is there any uh, comments, questions? So we need to have some safety in conversations. And um, when is the right time, the right place, and the right way to have these conversations <clears throat> about different topics? And, you know, I, I certainly hope that uh, you guys always feel free to express yourself the way you feel it. Um, um, you know, a lot of times when I'm doing these Bible studies, you're, you're very quiet. Um, and that's okay too, but um, feel the freedom to express it, uh, whatever you see on a particular topic, and let's agree to uh, embrace each other and, you know, and love each other, even if we don't see things exactly the same way. Um, it's okay. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and um, we're going to maintain the unity of the faith at all costs. So, that's what I had to share with you tonight. Is there uh, some closing thoughts or insights or questions on this whole topic at all? You know, it's good for us to um, try to be kind and gentle when we're talking to others we may not agree with on this. But when you're talking to them, you know, I have, you've heard me talk about my sister in California. She is the ultimate authority. I mean, you can't disagree with her. You can't have a varying opinion from her um, because she says, this is what the scripture says. Yeah. And it's not allowed to be interpreted as any differently than the way she interprets it uh -huh. and she's not alone in that yeah when in reality <laughs> most of it is her opinion right correct yeah. correct but yeah you know if you disagree with the way she interprets something she'll say well this is what so and so and so and so says and this is the way it is well do you know what lies behind that is doubt and insecurity fear. and fear oh yeah yeah, exactly but, right. you know, you can't have a civil conversation yeah. about a passage or anything. Well, because it goes. Sad. Yeah, you have to walk very delicately, don't you, about uh, in those situations oh, yeah. and you have to or avoid them. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, um, mm -hmm. or you just simply say. I kind of see it differently um, and that's OK. I mean, if I see it differently, it's not going to break relationships. You're still my sister. Um, but, um, you know, if you ever want to talk civil about this, I'm willing to hear <laughs> your reasoning uh, about why you believe what you believe, if you'll grant me the same privilege, you know, that type. Of well, that's true. Mark says a lot of times people don't care what you think. 
Exactly. That's right. Or if you try, like I asked her a question similar to what you just said once, and you know she was answering, and I wanted to get clarification, but I'm not allowed to ask for clarification. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, then she's shutting down conversation. Mm -hmm. all, she, all, oh, she yeah, is, all she's doing is keeping uh, what she thinks is, and I'll put this in quotations again, truth, and you need to be convinced of it. Well, that's not the way it works. Um, uh, truth and, and the ability to come to a realization, especially when it, it comes to changing your mind about something, as... I did, as you did, Shelly, on the LGBTQ issue. Um, it takes time and it takes conversation. It takes um, the willingness to be open that we could be wrong or that our opinions are tainted because of fear or insecurity or, um, it, um, you know, not, just not knowing certain things, not experiencing certain things. Uh, in familiar, uh, just infamiliar with things um, about what we're talking about. So I don't know what it takes for some uh, people to break through um, and, and willing to be open uh, to uh, consider other people's opinions. Um, I don't know. I mean, every person is different in terms of how hard they're shell is i guess and um you know um well it's, it's also it's also work yeah i mean it's 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 a lot of work and and people like uh, they this life is much simpler when you're simple-minded mm -hmm. that's a little bit of a strong statement but no but, it's an accurate um, because, yeah because it's, it's, it's easier yeah, don't force me to think, right? It, it's yeah. it's kind of it, yeah, it's kind of like I don't want to put the work involved in it. I think I've told you yeah. this story before, but I'll tell it again because I think it it illustrates the point. So, one day I was working over at the funeral home, and and I was working on a Saturday in the office uh, mm -hmm. covering the phones mm -hmm. and stuff, and um, there's a there's there was a a phone call that came in from uh, one of the local pastors that I know, and uh, and when he realized it was I that answered the phone, started to get into the conversation about uh, how I could have changed my mind on this topic of the LGBTQ issue and stuff like that, and um, and he and in this confrontation, I asked a question. I said. Well, have you done any reading or research on this topic at yeah. all? And he said, no. And I said, well, when you do, call me back. I will be willing to have a conversation with you. But for now, our conversation is done because you're not willing to do the work. And that's what Bud is talking about, is you've got to be willing right. to do the work to be um, familiar with the topic. And even if you don't agree with each other, at least you have put um, you've put the hard work into trying to understand that there's a variety of different perspectives on different issues, and um, and you know when you change your perspective on something, and I'm convinced of this about myself on this issue, 
Um, once you've kind of come to a realization that whatever someone you else go says is, is not going to convince me to, to change because I see that this is the better position, all coming back to what this topic has been about the last eight weeks. This is a better position of loving other people. And, um, and that's what we're called to do. And that's love matters more. And, and that I think is uh, the bottom line is this position allows me to love others more than I did previously. I had, oh. Yeah, as he said, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Right. Well, and there's a lot of other areas, there's a lot of other examples you could use besides this one. It's, you could use a whole area issue of creationism versus evolution. Yeah, I mean, that's that, right. You know, that, that, that was another one area that was probably equal, almost, well, not quite equally as controversial, but it's seven day creationism. Oh, it was, yeah. It was the big issue, it was the big oh. thing, you know, in terms of creationism and all that sort of stuff going on mm -hmm. and, and battle yeah. between you. And I think that and I do think the people who were who were the you know or the create not the creationists, I mean the the seven day the, the seven day or just in part they just liked that because it was a very simple story. It yeah. was a very and it, it didn't require I mean you, a lot of reading. You know and even if you even if you read a lot of it and still believe that then I I, I guess I I would have respect those people for doing that because there were you know but for people who simply just said this is what one one chapter in the bible says verbally you know uh, literally and i and I, I therefore i believe it literally when there's a lot of other interpretation and a lot of other input mm -hmm. uh, again i think it gets coming back to just what's people like to be simple in some ways and, and not put the work in or or they just our life is easier that way in some in some sense I mean, yeah, that's true. I think a lot of times uh, on stuff like that, it's easier just to say, but there it is right there in the Bible in black and white, rather than uh, those individuals not understanding. And we just saw it in the book of Galatians, didn't we? That just a couple verses later, it, it, it in a sense contradicts itself. And that is, we need to bear each other's burdens. Each person must bear their own burden. And in other words, that's true. Uh, that's a true statement about life. And in some situations, we need to bear one another's burdens. In some situations, a person's going to have to carry that weight on their own. And, um, and that's what the Bible is. It's a very complex piece of literature that, um, that it cannot be simplistic or literalistic. And a lot of times when I hear people say this, um, hey, I take the Bible literally as if, okay, conversation ends. Well, how about instead of taking the Bible literally, how about we take the Bible seriously? Because that's, that's a better approach that is going to enable you to think through things um, that literalism will inevitably take you down the wrong road. And so um, we've talked a little bit about that as well, that there's no place in the Bible that condemns slavery. It's not there. But I really believe with all my heart that as society moved beyond that uh, to, uh, to create each other uh, 
treat each other as equals and stuff. It, if you take the Bible seriously, you see a movement from one kind of slavery in the Old Testament to a different kind in the New Testament, and you almost see the Apostle Paul crossing the line um, and, and condemning the institution when um, he tells Philemon in that one little chapter book uh, to, to receive Onesimus back as a brother and not as a slave or a piece of property, but as a brother. And so, um, you know, that's taking the Bible seriously. Yeah, you can take things literally, but it, okay, where's the movement? Where's it, where's it going? Where's it progressing from beyond Old Testament to New Testament and then on into our own civilization issues as well? So, thoughts? Well, Bud, you make a, Bud makes a statement that God doesn't like, he doesn't trick us or fool, how do you put it? When scientific facts line up one way. He's not a deceiver. He doesn't deceive us. He doesn't deceive us. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. So that comes back to that uh, seven day literalism of creation and the earth is only 10,000 years old. I just had this conversation with someone a couple weeks ago uh, that I work with and um, I, and I said, but scientists tell us that, you know, um, the universe is billions and billions of years old. What do you do with that? Well, it was created with apparent age. I go, why? <laughs> why would God <laughs> intentionally deceive us by saying that the, the universe is billions of years old when it isn't? That doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> anyway, any closing thoughts, questions before we call it a night? Hmm. Okay. So, um, thanks everyone for being online, and um, and we this will good. come back uh, to a new topic yeah. next week. Okay. 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 All Thank right. you, Larry. Right. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Thank you. Okay. Take Bye, care. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good night.